This is Passing for Normal, conversations with artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World and the new book, Changeability, a work of nonfiction exploring how to navigate change with more effectiveness and ease. How do you find courage? How do you become more effective in navigating change? Find out when you join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Hello, and welcome to Passing for Normal Season 2. In Season 1, I spoke with a number of fascinating change makers and change writers, not only about the incredible work they were doing in the world, but also about how they do it. How is it they are so brave or so resourceful or remain so hopeful in the face of disappointing setbacks? Their wise answers to me became part of a new book, Changeability, How Artists, Activists, and Awakeners Navigate Change. And they inspired me to deeply contemplate the very nature of change and how to best meet change in this fast, ever-changing world. In the book, I identified seven principles for change, whether we're initiating change, inspiring change, or adapting to existing change. These principles are interdependent and are present in how we navigate the personal and the public changes of our lives. So what I want to do now is go back and engage these very guests that inspired my thinking about change, to go back to them and deepen our discussions about these principles in Passing for Normal, the Changeability series. Align with nature has to do with finding ways to meet change with the least amount of resistance by doing it how nature would do it. After all, the natural world has been evolving for millions of years. There are no two people better suited to speak with me about anything to do with aligning with nature than Penny Livingston Stark and James Stark. Penny Livingston Stark is a renowned permaculture designer and teacher. Working with regenerative design, permaculture development, ecologically sound construction, the relationships between humans, plants, water, soil, housing. And James is a psychologist, community leader, and permaculture thinker, encouraging people to use the principles of permaculture to tend their inner landscapes on the way to addressing their environments. And together, they have founded and operate Regenerative Design Institute in Bolinas, California. This 17-acre sustainable farm serves as a model and a school for those who want to do both the outer gardening and the inner gardening, aligning themselves with the natural world for the most thorough and effective personal and ecological change. Penny and James, welcome. Thank you. Great to be with you. I'm so glad to have you not only uh, talking with me, but both of you in conversation together. Like I said, there's no two people that I would rather speak with about aligning with nature than the two of you. Thank you, Sharon. It's great to be here. So my question to you, the largest question in what we're going to be talking about is, what does it mean to align with nature and how is aligning with nature helping us to facilitate change? Um, do you want me to start sure. with that? Um, well, <clears throat> I think first of all, 
you know, in your introduction and just thinking about the whole concept, I mean, change is inevitable. Like, the only constant is change. Okay. Change is always happening. So I think the question is, partly, is what, what kind of change do we want to see occur? Do we, and um, do we want to see... So when you're thinking about change that's in alignment with nature, um, I think part of it is working within the natural forces of, of the natural world, and what does that look like? So in order to start designing our own um, change that's intentional in alignment with nature, I think we have to understand and be in alignment with nature. So in order to do that, I think going out into the natural world and, and connecting, and um, what does that mean? Um, what I've been exploring is that the main communication tool in uh, aligning with nature and uh, either both receiving and giving information is through our heart. It's not through our brain. It's not through our mind. It's through our heart. And um, so a big part of um, aligning with nature is opening our hearts and healing our hearts. And I'm thinking if we do that, think about what kind of change would occur on this earth from open-hearted people. I'll leave it at that. Well, you know, the th question. There are studies that, you know, that talk about the heart as being, you know, a lot of times people think that the brain is what's running the show in our bodies <laughs> or in our, in our ecology, but that really it is the heart and the rhythms of the heart that regulate all the other systems of the body. And that there are studies uh, about having to do with the rhythms of the heart and how um, we, we uh, become entrained to the rhythms of the natural world in relationship to the rhythms of our heart. So when mm -hmm. people talk about just like, you know, open your heart, I mean, sometimes that's a metaphor, but literally biologically, right. um, this is what's happening. And that's what's happening, like people want to communicate with, with nature, I'm going to kind of use air quotes, because we are nature. That's what happens. The intelligence that comes in, we realize that we are not separate from that which surrounds us and from each other. And that's what the heart is telling us. And so um, what's exciting about right now and the fact that this is coming out, your book is coming out now, is because this type of change is happening. It's a cultural shift that's happening all over the world right now, and, and not of everywhere in the world, but there's pockets throughout the whole globe where people are doing this heart-opening work. And it is affecting change in their communities to start with, but as it, as it branches out. And we're kind of witnessing that, that phenomena happening now which I don't know, I think it might be unprecedented on this earth to have this many pockets of humanity doing heart-opening work simultaneously on the planet. It's exciting. It's very exciting. James? Yeah. What a, what a beautiful conversation to be having. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's an amazing moment because um, we're... We're life. We, we are one of the examples of life, 
Um, but we're we are totally dependent on the life force of all life on, on the planet. And so, you know, in the we've had these conversations and it's out in the media and everything, you know, the the planet and and how are we gonna survive and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is if I'm just sitting in a space and I want to continue breathing uh, and I've got one plant in this container, my life is going to depend on that one plant because if that one plant doesn't do what it needs to do, I'm not going to get have the oxygen and, and I'm going to die. <laughs> and so we're on, but there's 8 billion of us and we're totally, totally dependent on this life force and for cultural reasons a number of reasons we've we've moved to as penny was talking about we've moved to having a perfect example of what happens when one life force the human beings lives in their from their mind this is what it looks like and the question is can we move to um, to, to living w- with a deep connection, like to, to become nature again. And, and, the, and it isn't optional. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of thought out there, oh, some gadget, some robot, some chemical, you know, is, is all going to come in and save the day. Well, it's not. You know, like we, we already know how much effort it goes into contemplating keeping somebody like maybe six people alive in space without the plants and all that stuff, just for six people or seven people or a dozen people. For eight billion, the the only way that we're going to get to stay and our grandchildren are going to get to stay and future generations of us as a species are going to be here is we have to stop that um, decline in the species, which is happening like probably by the end of this conversation, we've lost more. You know, so it's all the the uh, heart of it is you know there's all kinds of things to solve like what's the new the latest iPhone and how small can it get and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but the bottom line is, can we reconnect into the natural world and become that? Because whatever we're not intimately connected, what, whatever our heart is not connected to, if it's just a mind, a mental thing, we can do all kinds of things with our, our mind on a mental level. But if we're deeply connected to the heart, then the preciousness comes up, and then the realization, and then our senses begin to open, and then we get the, the wonder of what the, the earth is, and we get to be present, oh, we're a, a, a small cell in this larger pulsation and we don't even know whether it exists anywhere else in the universe. So it's, it's like, how do we move and what are the pathways for us to move into that um, amazing wonder of what life is? And that's what humanity's presented with now. And it isn't like this is the first time in our history as human beings we were in that 
sacred relationship and deeply connected to all our relatives. You know, the raven was our relative, the plant was our relative, everything was, we were all related. And, and of course, when you're all related, it's like your family, you don't get that, oh, I'm going to kill off my sister, you know, who needs my sister, you know, like, <laughs> it's when we're related, we, we appreciate that we are that collective whole, that's what gives us the fullness of life. So we have this moment now to start to reweave um, the fabric of human beings back into the larger body before the system no longer is conducive to our being able to breathe and survive here. And that's kind of, that's why the book that you're um, presenting to the world is so critical because as Penny was saying, the whole, everything we know, it's a verb world. It's not a noun world. It's not everything's just static and there's the tree and stuff. Everything on a molecular level, everything is moving and changing. The only thing that is resisting that is the, the human mind has all kinds of imaginary ideas about what reality is, but the heart knows what's really going on. And so that's the only it's a safe refuge for us to now go to trusting our higher selves, which the heart is, as Sharon, you mentioned, and, and science is, is verifying that, and just in case we need verification. Right, from science. That, that's yeah. what the heart of it is. It's the yes. heart. Yeah. Well, so, you know, what I'm hoping in this book and in these conversations is to really help invite people into all of these principles, and so really helping people understand what it is to align with nature. How do I align with nature? So here, here I am, I'm living in the suburbs. I get my groceries from the store. I, you know, have some planted, you know, some plants planted in the yard. There are trees in the neighborhood. Um, I uh, live my life by a calendar. I'm aware of the seasons, but I'm not necessarily aligned with the seasons, aligned with the cycle. So I want to know, in your opinion, how, how do people, because I know you instruct this all the time, you help draw people, how do I become more aware of the natural world when I'm not actually so much living in it? <laughs> But you are. <laughs> well, okay. I think I'm not, right. I think I'm living in more of a concrete buildings, you know. So how do I how do I tune into the nature that is there when I'm not in standing in the middle of a forest? Okay. Well, there's different layers. I can I can address some of this because mm -hmm. there's different gateways. I mean, there's people that could be in the middle of a concrete building and be completely in alignment with nature. Great. Speak but to that that's because. They've had practice. Mm -hmm. They have they have a background with this. But if you don't have a background, like with your awareness, because it's all about awareness. It's all about where we put our. It's kind of like losing our mind and coming to our senses. It's like where do we put our awareness into our body? A lot of it's very somatic, like with uh, you know embodied within our our physical body, and then and then there's also the energetic. 
um, architecture, if you will, of that connection, the unseen world connection. And so to practice, it's, it's helpful to be outside. And if you're living, it could be just sitting under a tree, and the tree could be in the middle of a parking lot if that's all there is. But just find some place where you feel like you can just sit and be quiet. Um, sometimes people go like to a city park, and there's activity going around you, but you can still be quiet on the inside. So that's the first step. And once you start learning how to tune into that quietness and breathing, and it's, it's sort of like a form of meditation, but there's different forms. There's one like the Buddhist where you go inside and just concentrate on your breath and you're all about inside. And then there's other meditations where you actually put your awareness completely around you, where you try to listen to the farthest sound and all the sounds in between. You try to smell, you know, and kind of put, we all multitask, you know, drinking coffee, driving a car, you know, talking on the phone, <laughs> doing email. <clears throat> you know, we can we can multitask with our awareness, and this is about multitasking in a different way where you're actually going out and you're feeling with your heart, you're feeling with your skin, you're smelling, you're, you're hearing. Um, often we close our eyes because we're so used to looking all the time to just that organ is more developed than our maybe our ears or our nose. And start developing the other organs in our body, you know, to start feeling the world around us. It's really that simple. And just practice that and put our awareness there. So that's one gateway. And then the other gateway around connecting to your world is looking on your dinner plate. Where's your food coming from? Where does your water come from? When you flush the toilet, where does it go? When you throw something away, where is that away? You know, there's also that gateway of learning your world. Like, what is your impact? What is your footprint on this planet? Um, when you get in your car, you know, where's, all, what's the embodied energy? Like, you know, to just start researching that. That's a little bit more of a, a mind game, but it's something to start increasing your awareness to, to how are you in alignment with your world? Do you know where your food comes from? Do you know who's growing your food? Do you know where it's grown? You know, and if you don't, that's, that's telling because that's, that's telling you where you're disconnected. So that's one way to start, you know, and, and many of us are. You know, if I go eat a banana, I don't know where it comes from. It might come from Honduras. I don't know. Yeah. But, then, but then when I start balancing out, either I walk outside my door and I get my greens and my veggies from there or to the chickens for the eggs, or I'm learning to buy from the farmer's market where I can go see the farmer or meet people, you know, and start developing more local relationships with how we get our needs met. So there's the more esoteric way and then there's the more practical way. Mm -hmm. um, where does you, you know, but just even just knowing where does your water come from when you turn on the tap? When it goes down the drain, where does it go? Yeah, I mean that's I think essential for communities because in, in in traditional cultures and indigenous cultures, everybody a six year old child knew the answer to all of those questions. Mm -hmm. And so, how do we start developing that awareness within our communities? And once we increase our awareness, um, then 
we can start making decisions that are in more alignment with our world. That's right. And another uh, building building on what Penny was sharing is um, what's the role what's the the role of village? You know, we've been here for quite a long time on the planet, and for the the bulk of that, we've been in villages. We've been villagers. We've been interconnected and working as an organism of a village, and. Um, the you know what my experience is is around what's the the power of returning to a village activities and when it relates to nature connection and I know that when when we um, connect with a group of people with an intention around nature connection then it opens up. The, as Penny was talking about, some of the pathways of the practices that we can um, embrace that will open us up to build those deep connections with the natural world. And it's very, uh, very challenging to do the lone wolf thing out there in the midst of a sea of cultural information and propaganda that's all geared to have you not do that. It's everything is geared for you to be totally captivated by the latest iPhone. You know, there's nothing, there's no force when you wake up in the morning that has, promotes, and encourages you to open your senses and look at the amazing, like what life is, what is really life, what, what, what is life on the planet. So there's nothing. So so we're in a, a desert of nature connection. <laughs> and, right. and so um, what we've experienced and, and why we continue to do the work, we just say, you know, we declare this is one spot on the planet that we're committed to nature connection and, and, and healing and returning to the wonder of, of being life and being nature. And then people are, to, oh, I want that. I'm feeling called to that. So they come and together as, as a collective of a group of people, with the same shared intention, what, how that reinforces, oh, I'm not just crazy, oh, so-and-so is doing that, and so-and-so, oh, it's going out and sitting beside a tree, whether it's in the middle of Manhattan, or, or being with a plant, or no matter where you are, just finding a seed somewhere, and finding some soil and putting it in, and there's the miracle of life right there before your eyes. And you could be in a prison cell and have that experience. Right. So, um, so you're talking about that. you're talking about um, that you know being with nature, planting a seed, being with a tree. There is always um, there's renewal in the natural world. You know there are cycles in the natural world, and even you know, when you have life and death, there's, there's renewal again. And, um, how does aligning with nature give us hope? A lot of people come to your, to your workshops and 
to RDI, they're looking to change their lives and they're doing it through aligning with nature. So obviously it's giving them some sort of hope, some sort of renewal. So how does aligning with nature give us hope? Okay. Well, that's an interesting question um, because first of all, the word hope, Mm -hmm. when you use for me, that word means the reason you have hope is because you think it may not happen. You know, I hope, I hope you make it safely, meaning that there's a part of me that thinks you might not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's where hope comes from. Yeah, uh-huh. Coming from like, uh-oh, this might not work out. Well, I hope it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, that aspect to it. But um, I want to kind of ditto what James said about um, two, two things that happen in our experience here is that, first of all, we can't do it alone. You know, we can't do this alone. We need each other. We can't so do anything So doing a alone. lot of this alignment work with other people gives me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, when, I, when I'm in circles with people and I'm hearing just pearls of wisdom and connecting me to things I didn't even know I didn't know, you know, uh, from coming from the creativity of others, that gives me a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. But then the other piece that, you know, when we talk about the natural world, I want to I throw in a very specific aspect of the natural world called plants. You know, James is talking about being under a tree or planting a seed. Plants themselves are the embodiment of, of earth and the earth energies and the cosmic energies coming together. Mm-hmm. And it's through plants whether we're eating them and putting them in our body or whether we're sitting with them or, or what, or using them as medicine or just having flowers in a vase, you know, on our table, plants are extraordinarily powerful communicators. And we don't get that often because they don't have mouths and the way we have mouths or they don't have ears the way we have ears. But they are emitting um, through their own different, many, many vast different ways, but largely through the constituents and the chemicals that they're putting out into the environment that we don't even know about. We, we, we are so not aware of this, but it is happening, and science is catching up with all of this and to what indigenous people have known for thousands of years. Science is starting to prove, oh, yeah, there's actually pining coming out of pines and it does this effect when it lands on your skin and there are aerosols that are coming out of the forest you know yes um that you know uh one botanist and and biologist diane beresford kroger is, is talking about now you know how the japanese for thousands of years would go into forest and have forest baths where they would just go into forest and let the aerosols of the forest land on their skin, which is one of our most absorptive organs in our body, and, and, and go through a healing process through being cleansed by, by forest aerosols. I mean, how cool is that? So that happens on, on a continuum of levels. So I just want to say, um, if we start paying more attention to, to the plants and to trees and to you know, caring for that, they are the indicators. And they're also the homes for the birds. And, you know, we can start, that's a really good place to start is connecting through the, through the plants because that's what they're here for. And right. I, I can't stress that enough. And, 
Yeah. And, and it's a journey. The more deepening we go into that journey into the plant realm, the more vast we realize it is. And so, yeah. Yeah, the more we that, that So that gives me a lot of hope because when you're talking about that renewal and that resiliency, that's what, if you look out and if your plants are shining and they're happy and they're healthy, that gives me hope. If they're all dead and pathetic looking, then I kind of lose hope. But right now I'm looking out at a beautiful, vibrant um, ecology outside that is just bursting forth out of the earth right now because we're in the springtime and buds and flowers and baby plants just just being part of the earth by the sun. and it's, It gives me a lot of hope. Like, yes, another season is going to happen. <laughs> yes. And, and I love... I love this question, Sharon, because of hope. What's the, what's the relationship between hope and nature connection? Because when I take the moment and, and I go to my fit spot or I'm out there, what, what opens up is get present to the power of life force and, and the change that is going on and adaptability. And the bottom line is, no matter what we do as human beings, this life force on the planet will continue on. You know, we're on at the point, we're at the 13.7 uh, billion year point in the explosion. And life is here and it will continue on. It's been here for a long time on the earth. And, you know, the, co- the continents were all one at one point, and then they all separated into what we see now, and they're heading back to becoming one again. So when we connect our senses, we tune in. It's like we plug our circuitry in. It's like plug in your computer, and it's like when we plug in, what we get charged with is the incredible force of life. And it's going to continue because we see a volcano erupts. There's all it's all black. There's nothing there, and then gradually something comes up and we'll see. And then it's back into full bloom again. So no matter what we do now, because we're faced with the, the bottom line is we're faced with are we going to be here? You know, with our present way of being. And so you know, there's there's. You know, we could we could pull that off. We could be part of, you know, a, a thousand years from now, a million years, there might be human beings here. It'd be awesome. Uh, but the when we take the time right now, because we're at that one of those moments where choices need to be made uh, about for, uh, choices need to be made for our grandchildren and the future generations of us as human beings. So. For me, the greatest investment, like how do you invest in the future, it's the plugging into nature to renew uh, and to align. It's, it's like we hit refresh of what is my life about? What am I here for? It's, it's, it's remembering of our highest possibility as a human, as a key species, and so that gives me great inspiration for catalysts to make a difference in the world. That's beautiful. And I think that's a perfect place for us to uh, bring this conversation to a close. 
Um, you guys are wonderful. The, the depth uh, of insight and heart that you bring to everything you do is, um, is so inspiring and instructive and refreshing. And all the things that we're talking about uh, occur when we align with the natural world occur in me when I get to talk with you. So I thank you so much. Um, so before we end, I just want to know if there's anything uh, else that you would like our listeners to know before we close. And then I'd like you to tell people how they can find out more about you and, and actually find you. Um, well, our, our website is www.regenerativedesign.org. And we're going to be launching a number of new programs. We do education here. We're located in Bolinas, one hour north of San Francisco. We're also connected to an extraordinary nonprofit called Commonweal, which is commonweal.org. And you can check out both those websites. Um, and we're, so we're on the northern California coast. And we have this permaculture farm, as you said, and we do a lot of different types of programs from permaculture trainings to advanced permaculture trainings. And now James is also starting some, um, an art of vitality and um, does some leadership trainings that maybe, James, you can talk, speak to. Yeah, and just for, for that inner gardening, we have, um, this is the 10th year and the 19th uh, circle with over 500 people who have, come through on how to cultivate our inner garden, how to connect deeply with our senses back into the natural world and leading our lives in a new inspiring way in our communities. And um, as Penny was just mentioning, the, um, the art of vitality is how to um, move our healthcare system back into our villages and, uh, and to so we're going to be launching in June a new program, basically how to how to have vitality in this life form that we are, you know, mind, body, spirit, and how do we, how can we connect with the natural world? What is how when we eat, when we put something in our mouth, how does that affect our immune system? And so we're doing that with an integrated medicine doctor who's in our village here. Um, and basically to raise the level of awareness of how do you look after a human body? What is this amazing thing that we, that we are and how to tend it? You know, I, there's no question we get manuals to figure out how to use our computers and our cars and all that kind of stuff. But, like, how do we look after this so that we can live the highest possibility and be fully self-expressed? So there's a number of ways um, that... You can get engaged uh, with us uh, here, and um, and we have a website, and you can tune into um, the message <coughs> going out and what what might be possible for you. Well, yeah, I, I think and if they check out the website now, um, there's there's some things on there now, but then in about a week we're going to be putting up a bunch of new things. So. Great. Well, I thank you two so much for uh, speaking with me and for speaking with our listeners and for being two people who have uh, a highly adept sense of changeability. And uh, thank you again. 
Thank you, Sharon, for this book is going to be an amazing window of opportunity for people to, to begin to move and dance and thrive in the field of change that we're living in. So I'm just so grateful that you've brought that forward for us. Well, thank you. It's a big ride. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> ride we're all on, the ride of change. Hang on. Hang on. on. It's the ride of change. Okay. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. Thanks, Sharon. Bye. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about Changeability, the book, and about all of the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Whether creating something new or responding to a changing world, navigating change is the new stability.